Hello and welcome to Where's Shaz, the podcast. I'm Shaz Ahmed and my mission is to empower, educate and inspire you with stories, knowledge and guests in the world of property, finance and business. So let's go. So welcome back to the podcast, people. Uh, My guest today, we connected in a really weird way, I think over a shared podcast guest. And here we are like a month after doing this and pretty much chatting every day. So it's my pleasure to welcome, and and the list is pretty long here. So social media agency owner, podcaster, entrepreneur, um, and just an all around amazing person in general. It's Abigail Clark. Abigail, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Shaz. How are you? I am amazing. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm all the better for being here today. Fabulous. Well, look, thank you for making time. I know you're always on the go doing something or another, so I appreciate that. Did I miss anything on the uh, on on the roll call? Do you know what? I'm sure I'm sure you didn't, but I'm sure you did at the same time. Because let's be honest, there's new things all the time. But I'm sure we'll discuss it all today. <laughs> let's hope so. Right. Cool. So, is it Abigail or Abby? What do you want to be called? I should have asked you that. Abby. I go as Abigail, but that's only like when I'm in trouble with like my granddad. Call yeah. me Abby. Abby is fine. fine. Abby, it is then. Right, Abby. So first thing I ask all my guests is to share their mission statement. So, why do you do what you do? Do you know what? I think I wish I could just say something in like short, but the reality is I do what I do because I want to I want to inspire others. I want to inspire people regardless of their age, regardless of their gender that they can literally achieve anything if they just put their mind to it. Like I think there's so many factors that get in people's ways, but I want to just inspire people to make them realize that if they just go for it and figure it out along the way, they can achieve anything that they want to. Um and alongside that as well is just because of my family, like my reason is my family and I want to be able to give back to my mum and dad and just also inspire my siblings. I want them to be able to look at me and say, do you know what, if school like school isn't the only option, like there's so many other options out there and to just pursue their dreams and their passions. I love that. I don't think you can put, put it any better than that really. Now, you've touched on this in a, in a little way already, but what is kind of the, the origin story, your background to, to led you to this? Do you know what? I wish I like. I was speaking about this the other day. I wish I had this big. Not that I wish, but do you know the way people have these big stories. Like, I feel like I don't have a story, but then I guess I do. Everyone's got one. Um. So do you know what? The business side of things kind of came into effect when I started my first business when I was fourteen, and the reality behind that was that I got bullied in school for about a year and a half, and I just it was in year ten, and I couldn't get my head around it, and. My dad always knew that I wanted to go into law and he was like, you're not going to get there if you don't focus in school or you don't settle down or you just don't achieve these high grades. And I remember he used to literally lock me in the the conservatory and make me write loads of pages of science and not physically lock me, but like if I didn't write (laughs) one day's worth, I had to write two days worth the next day and it just kept tallying up. So I turned around and I thought, right, I hated school because I just didn't feel like I fit in. It, it was just I got involved with the wrong group of girls, that's all I can say. And I ended up setting up my first business and I'd basically order dresses in from China. I'd then model them and then sell them on eBay, but I would drop ship them. So I'd model them and then just change the addresses in the eBay, like sender addresses. Mm. And I didn't know it was drop shipping at the time. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of winging it. My dad thought it was illegal. So did I. <laughs> But it worked at the time and that was kind of the start of my entrepreneurial journey when I just found that I loved kind of working working for myself, figuring things out and also being able to give back at such a young age, like taking my dad for dinner or taking my mum for dinner. Mm. 
and being able to pay the bill that just got me yeah no and, and with that then was it was that first business was it successful or was it more just the experience that you gained yeah do you know what it was successful so i made my first 10k when i was 14 and i didn't know what to do with it i remember being like right what do i do here and then i locked myself out my instagram account and i didn't see now nowadays if that happened i'd be like oh my gosh the world is over but when it happened i seen it as a good thing as well because i thought right okay my gcses were coming up i needed to really knuckle down in my head to get them gcses in the door so i didn't start another business again i just knuckled down in school and I did end up getting all my GCSEs as well. So I just backed away from the business and then looked at setting my next one up when I could do. <laughs> yeah, and, and here we are. Now, you mentioned as well that you studied law. Yes. Now, I think I think studying law is a good use of university. It's one of the degrees, actually, I would probably, I was going to say advocate, but that sounds like a, a play on words. But that's, uh, I would support someone doing, you know, going to university for law. It's a good, it's a good thing to have. But yeah. why, why law and why aren't you kind of pursuing that? Is that because you got the bug of entrepreneurship? Do you know what? I think when you're in school, you are taught that to be successful, you need to either be a lawyer, a doctor, mm -hmm. a dentist. You need to go into, you need a corporate job. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I knew I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted a big career. I didn't necessarily know exactly what I wanted to do. But throughout school, if I wasn't going to be an entrepreneur, then I knew that I wanted a good job. And um, when I was younger, my mum put me through private school in primary school and she could never afford it ever. She used mm. to rock up to this private school. Everyone would have like the nicest cars, designer clothes. And my mum had this little fiesta that I'm not joking. I'm surprised we didn't have to push it there because it was <laughs> its bum. But um, she did everything she could to make, to try and pu push me forward, bless her. And, you know, I just, I knew that I wanted to do something to make them proud. So. I wanted to go into law because I'm also very nosy. Uh, whenever like a police car goes past, I want to know where they're going. <laughs> um, so that was kind of something that I thought I needed to go into. But the reality is, I think law's good, but I remember sitting in my lecture and list listening to my lecturer that did the same degree I did and thinking, we did the same degree, you're in the same mm -hmm. debt that I'm going to be in. And I guarantee you didn't hope to be where you are today. Uh, I spoke mm -hmm. to him at the end, he didn't. And that just put me off in the end. I didn't want to have to work my way up the up the ladder. That makes sense. That kind of maybe was a light bulb, light bulb moment that, you know, you're qualified, I'm going to be qualified and you're doing the same thing. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and, and one of your businesses, which I don't think I actually mentioned at the start, is you've got a, a gym wear clothing line and yeah. that brand is called Gym Law. Was that because you studied law or was that just a different reason altogether? Yeah, <laughs> it actually is. It is. So basically, um, it was when I was starting my lectures, I remember thinking I want to start a business. And I've always been in the gym since I was dead young, because my dad was a bodybuilder. So mm -hmm. from the age of four, I've literally been in the gym, whether I've been training or I've been sat there watching him, that's where I basically grew up. <laughs> yeah. So I remember being in the gym with my dad and I was like, I really want to start a brand. Um, I want to start a gym wear brand. And we literally sat there and I was like, gym. And he was like, law. And then gym <laughs> same time and that's all that happened and then the next minute this was I think this was in the August coming up to my birthday and by October I, I launched the brand so we'd shoot we were shooting and everything yeah and you were shooting and this is the thing see so what I find fascinating is I think especially with gym wear like it, it's a niche but there's loads of people doing gym gym clothing gym branding back when I used to be on Twitter like there used to be a new brand pop up every other week but not everyone would go to the effort of having photo shoots, sponsored athletes and all this kind of stuff. So how how or why do you decide to go all in and actually make it a brand and a business and not just a hobby? 
I think because I knew that when I set it up, when I when I start things, I go hard. I don't do anything mm. hardly. If I, I can tell, hard, I can tell. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I will do anything to make it happen. Yeah. And I think it's so hard starting anything and having the confidence to actually go ahead and do it. So I think if you're going to do it, put your all into it. Like if you believe in something so much, just go for it. And I've always been passionate about the gym. So I thought, right, okay, I want to put my face to this brand. And if I'm putting my face to it, then it needs to be good. So we also went on to, so we went on to lockdown as well at the same time. So I launched in the, officially launched in the De- December the 4th, but pre-launched in the October. And then by March, we were on lockdown. So I couldn't do any shoots. So I was lucky to literally get a shoot in a week before we went on to full lockdown. And that's when I realized it's the only, the only way I'm going to push this brand is through shoots, is through standing out on social media, working with affiliates. So we introduced an affiliate scheme quite quickly. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but not many people were doing it at the time. I just knew that I wanted to, I wanted others to make money. I wanted to make women feel confident, especially while they're sat at home. I wanted everyone to kind of be a community and feel like close together. So and we grew quite quick. We grew to like 750 ambassadors through the year. Wow. Okay. And yeah. in, in that, in that business or in that niche, in that industry, is Gymshark regarded as like the unicorn or is that, is that not the case? I think at the time yes i think gymshark was kind of someone that i aspired to be like i'm gonna say um but they so gymshark did really well from seamless activewear and seamless activewear is so expensive when you design it yourself and i remember thinking right i want to do this i want to be able to (laughs) to make my own seamless activewear and eventually i did it and it was so expensive and you know what the first bulk that came i like so first of all i went to b and q and i looked at all these pantone colors you know in the paint section (laughs) yeah and i was like I'm going to choose my dye color so i chose three colors anyway they arrived and every time they arrived the sample was a different color and then in my head i just took this risk and i thought right i'm just gonna go for a lot of the bulk i'm not joking after one wash everything died completely out it was like red to white in one wash and i had about 10 grand's worth of stock and i was oh like God. well that was a risk that wasn't worth taking <laughs> but <laughs> you, li- you, know you live and learn you do you live and you learn sure and you mentioned to me off camera so when we had a chat on the phone I think that that experience during lockdown when you had then the issues with supply and so on is yeah. that what triggered you to start your agency which is I guess is your main business now so what triggered me to start my agency is when I actually moved into the gym offices so we expanded quite quickly and yeah. I then got an office because I had grown up the house it's got an office to bring work into the office where I am now instead and when the month I moved in literally everything got stuck across and I'd invested every single penny and when I moved into the office we got our first month rent free and I remember thinking right I've literally got four weeks to figure out how I'm going to pay this rent and the only thing that I'd ever outsourced was my gym law paid ads so I'd run them myself the entire time and in the last like two to three months before moving to the offices that's the only thing I outsourced so I outsourced that and I just didn't have a positive experience at all like communication wise it just wasn't the best and I thought I could do this well better. So I just decided to set up my agency. But again, I didn't exactly know what I was doing in terms of how to run an agency. I just knew that I'd be able to do what I was doing for gym law for other people. Okay, and that makes sense because you've got, I guess you've got your own proof of concept, which is your own business. So why not scale it out and replicate it again and again? That makes complete sense. Yeah, I think in my head I thought, oh, I've got zero credibility. When in reality, I had more credibility than most agency owners that hadn't run businesses themselves before. So I could kind of relate to business owners from an actual business perspective, as opposed to just, I can run your paid ads for you. It's like, I can can help you with all the downs in business as well as the ups. Sure. And um, 
through the journey that you've had then, at what point did you start also doing the mentoring? The mentoring. So I've actually done the mentoring throughout. So as I've been with clients and spoke with clients and taking more clients on, um, I found that a lot of clients have asked me about mentoring throughout because they do want to kind of understand like how my brain works as well and what my perspective would be on a business. Um, but I found the last year, um, to be fair, the last six, six to 12 months has been predominantly people coming to me to help with their personal branding. So I've had online coaches, creators, new businesses come to me for just help on how they can really convert their followers into say paying clients. So that's now one of our big focuses as well. Amazing. And again, is that just purely because they see you doing it for yourself and then other, other businesses? It's like, well, we want to know how to do that. Yeah, 100%. And this is why I tell so many people to document their journeys, because if you document your journey, you'd be surprised the amount of people that will relate to you and will want to know exactly what you're doing and how they can do it too. So yeah, I think people have just kind of seen what I've been doing. And then I've obviously created the courses and a lot of people wanted to know how to set up their own agency. So I just put together a course, which breaks down my exact systems on how I did it. Because there isn't that much to it. When it came to trying to find clients, I think people people really think it's hard to find a client. But I was applying for jobs on Indeed. People were ringing me and then I was pitching my agency. Like I just threw myself in at the deep end completely. Now, everything you're saying, Abby, kind of tells me, and not tell me if I'm wrong, is you've got a lot of kind of self-belief uh, in, in your abilities or just kind of saying, I'm going to do, I'm going to say yes, and I'll make it happen. Where, where does that come from? Um, do you know what? I think it comes, I don't have like a set place where it comes from. My mum and dad both have good jobs, but normal jobs in the NHS. They've never worked for themselves, but they've always tried to do the best for, for me and my sisters and my brothers. And I think I just want to be able to give back to them. So I see how hard they worked for me. I see what they did for us growing up. We never went without. And I just want to, if I'm not going to uni to do law, if my mum's put me through private school most of my life to make sure that I come out on top, I don't want to screw that up. Like I always want to say, like, listen, I've not gone to pursue this corporate job because I know that I'll be able to care for you. You can retire early because I'm going to put you in that position. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just my drive as my family and just being able to prove to them that the route I'm on is the yeah, right not- route. It, I definitely I can I can resonate with that. For example, like from my perspective, my parents moved over from Pakistan when they were kind of younger, and I guess I am in a way their investment. So there needs to be a return on that investment, in one yeah. way or the other. <laughs> um, so you, you talk about documenting, um, and I, I've written down in my notes here just to ask you. So for people who are thinking of either documenting or creating, there's a difference how much planning is involved because it isn't as easy I don't think just sticking the camera on there's still a little planning ahead but for people who are reluctant to put a camera on or just unsure what tips would you give them do you know what I think when you say that it's not easy I think this is one of the biggest things like really I'm guilty of not doing it as well you can literally stick your camera like me and you on this podcast now I could literally put my camera there and film the behind the scenes of this and do you know what yeah when Phoebe, my content creator comes up holiday she will shout at me for not <laughs> why didn't you do that but the, the, you just need to go for it. You just need to film your day because you would be surprised the amount of people that want to see what you get up to. If you think about it, when you're scrolling through Instagram, you're watching people drink their coffee in the morning, make their breakfast. So what is the difference between someone making their coffee and you trying to work on your business or work on an idea? Whether it's you writing on a piece of paper, whether it's you trying to deal source a property and you're scrolling through Rightmove, 
just document it because at the end of the day, in a year's time, you could even put that into a video to show the journey from where you are now to where you were then. Do you see what okay. I mean? Yeah, and if we drill down even further, this is all kind of mindset stuff really is. So me personally, I am happy to doc, well, I'm happy to record stuff now, but only share it when there's a result on the back end because I know there's been yeah. something delivered and I'll share the journey. Whereas some people will share as as things go along, and even if they fail at the end, they don't they don't care. For people who are maybe scared of judgment of others and things like that, what what would you say? I'd say that you're always going to be judged, no matter what. You will always be judged, but that is okay. Like not everyone is going to like you and what you do, and that's that's fine because you don't want everyone to like you anyway. You want to go out there, be you. Because at the end of the day, Karen from down the road isn't going to support you, but Karen from down south that you've never met before will support you so it's just about going out there being yourself not worrying at all about what people think if i cared what people think i would not have made it to where i was today. and i'll never forget when i started modeling my dresses when i was 14 wearing these dresses i got utter hell for it and i mean hell because it was who does she think she is like what is she wearing but you know what it paid off and mm. them lessons are what got me to where i am today and it's the same with failures if you're ever afraid that you might fail you never fail and you're always going to learn from what you've done and if you ever start over again you're not starting from scratch you're starting from your experiences of what you've learned along the way yeah no it makes sense i think it's uh, maybe a whole mosey or gary v quote where you only fail if you stop <laughs> if you keep doing it and trying it and reinventing it you don't fail yeah it's it, it's so true it's so true you never failures are good and i think anyone in business that says they haven't failed they're lying because you mess up so many times but again that's <laughs> Amazing. And I'm just going to ask you more questions to get more value for the, for the listeners. So I've asked you before, actually, privately on this personal brand versus business, business brand, growing both. I, I have a challenge in growing my business versus me because people have really bought into me. They couldn't care less about the business. But, you know, how do you do both? Because I, I, Again, I'm thinking in my head, which businesses have done both? Maybe Gymshark, people invest in Ben and in, in the brand Gymshark. But I can't think of many others where both have actually grown side by side. Do you know what? I, I would say that nowadays it's completely different. And when Ben started Gymshark, I'm not going to say he was lucky, but the time that he came into business, influencers weren't really a big thing. So yeah. the time that he obviously started investing into influencers, there wasn't the competition there is now. And I think he's done a podcast saying this, to be fair. So it's not as though I'm just saying he's lucky because he's not <laughs> so hard to get there. But influencers weren't a big thing. And... Nowadays, it is personal brands that people buy into more. So even with my clients, my business clients, I turn around to them and I say, you need to be investing into your personal brand as much as you might not want to. There's, if you've got two brands, say you've got two social media agencies, or let's say two, two jewelry brands, and you want to buy into an it girl lifestyle. If you've got two brands, but one of them has a personal brand, so one of the owners has a personal brand that really sells that it girl lifestyle, people will always buy into that person because there's a person behind that brand and they know what they're buying into. And it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a psychological effect that like people want to know who they're buying from, why they're buying it. And it, it, do you know when people back in the day used to wear like big like Nike signs and you'd wear like big branded clothing? People don't really wear big brands anymore. They wear minimalistic brands because again, they're buying into the reason behind that brand and nowadays I find that personal branding is the reason. Okay and for people who say and I have this a lot I help I help other brokers with you know them their social sometimes oh I don't want to yeah. share too much of my personal life or I'm scared of sharing this what would you say because you're the expert on this? Share what you want to share so yes. I personally like to be 
keep my my personal life kind of behind the scenes. I do share like my little sisters and things, like their journeys, because obviously I've got a 10-year-old sister that wants to go in the Olympics. I've got an 11-year-old sister that's trying to start a tote bag business. Like I share that because that is inspirational to others. But I would say your three content pillars should always be inspirational, aspirational, and educational. Now, if that means that your personal life fits into it, then definitely put your personal life into it, but never feel as though you need to overshare, but you can overshare at the same time. Just only share what you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, and I think, um, and I said this to our mutual friend Tej maybe yesterday, that the, the main thing that matters for me anyway is just being authentic and genuine because people these days are really smart and see through things. If you're putting on a front, if you're trying to portray a certain lifestyle that just isn't you, then people can tell. Do you know what? It's hard to keep up as well. Like these people, they can't keep it up, and you, and that's why that's why people can see right through you because if you if you're trying to be someone that you're not, then yeah, you can't keep it up. But another thing that I do say is that if you're say if you're a quiet person and you think, oh, I'm a quiet person, I don't know how to come out my shell, and um, because people from my local area know me for one way, and I want to be someone different, like never be afraid to literally just reinvent yourself because it's not going to be the people from your local area that will support you. It'll be people that you network with, people that you meet along the way. They're the people that are going to support you on your journey. In the same way that I met you, like I didn't know you a few weeks ago, and now <laughs> I couldn't be any prouder for what you do. Like seeing the content. <laughs> there and your confidence shine through i'm like go shazagale like this is amazing <laughs> <laughs> i mean look the funny in terms of oversharing the funny thing is you are right so uh, people who know me as in my old school friends and family friends when they see me these days and I, to me i don't really go to many local social things i'm just too busy but when they do see me they're like shaz you know we can never imagine you doing all these videos and all this speaking we're really proud of you but it, it's kind of yeah, so I'm not, I am really shy, I'm really reserved, really kind of introverted, but I understand that to get business, to put yourself out there, that's what works, as long as you are yourself. And one of one of my investor friends, he put, <laughs> there's a little clip of him out of context, he's on a podcast, and he says, guys, unless you're earning 50 grand a month, you shouldn't be going to Dubai. But there is context around it, because the context is, look, if you're on 25 grand a year, you can go to Dubai, but you'd be at a hotel, maybe go to the mall, and maybe have a decent holiday. But if you want to go to the rooms that he goes to, which is private members clubs, you know, three grand meals, which he put in the video, you yeah. do need to be in a lot of money. So I think context matters. It's not about fronting. It's about perspective and context and people buying into you and your journey and your brand. Anyway, I'm ranting. But thanks. Um, do you know what, it's a good point that you've made? And then even saying that you're shy, um, but obviously the shares that I know is kind of obviously that you're shy, but you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And I think that's what I've done this year. Like the events that I've gone to or the event that I met you at, I'd never been to an event on my own, but I pushed myself out of my comfort zone because I knew that you're only going to grow when you do that. So if you push mm -hmm. yourself, go for it. You're only going to learn along the way. Absolutely. So let's talk, let's talk about that event. So that event for anyone who's listening uh, was uh, Aaron Branch shows social agendas D Ludlow, the 5am Club of the 5D Network, and Steve Hamilton, Property Circle. So I guess the room was, I'll be honest, the room, if I'm being honest, honest, was mostly people who know D, because uh, D's got this massive community, and then people from Steve's Circle and also Aaron. So kind of a property and business focus group. Like you said, you did not know anyone, and you barely yeah. knew me. I think it was like the third day we'd been speaking. So as, a, as an out... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you knew Aaron. So as a kind of neutral outsider, what was your thought on that kind of networking event? 
oh, do you know what? I love it. And like my advice to anyone when it comes to networking is to go for it because the opportunities that you get from networking is crazy. I think you get your foot in the door and you meet people and you get to surround yourself with people that are just so inspiring. And I think if, you, if you're stuck in a circle, your circle is everything. But if you're stuck in a circle where you think, oh, I want to be able to speak to people that might be, just have share the same interests as you, you can get that by going to networking events and I would never have met you if I never went. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, you know what? I, th- I think fate has a way of making it happen. We would have met each other at some point anyway. But um, yeah. and in terms of the content, because often people go to some of these events, property events specifically, and all it is is a sales pitch for something else. Yeah. Is there anything that you picked out of that and thought, you know what, this 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 actually makes sense? So for me, I actually enjoyed most of all D D Ludlow's talk because the whole business acquisition thing blows my mind. But yeah, what about yeah. you? Do you know what? So these, what what Dee was saying blew my mind as well. And what I found was when it came to the questions at the end, everyone was asking questions to Aaron about social media, stay about property. Um, but when it came to Dee, it was like no one had any questions. And that is because no one speaks about it because it's not easy. I'm not saying property is easy or social media is easy, but more people do it. So more people speak about it. Whereas business, it's complicated. You don't scroll through social media and see loads of people doing it. So that interested me because I thought not as many people are doing it. So that to me is really inspiring that you're doing that because everyone's confused as to what you're doing, which means you figured it out. That's it. And so me and Dee from the same same city, uh, Newport in South Wales. So when I'm at the gym sometimes, people are like, oh, Shaz, you, you always hang around with Dee. What does he actually do? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is what he actually does. But go speak to him. You know, you, he's, you've got him on Instagram. I don't even have a chat with him. Um, and in terms of networking, the other kind of common thing I get from people, because I'm always encouraging people to get out of the house as well, is yeah. that they've got their own kind of complexes in their head. So I'm a woman, I'm a minority, I'm this, I'm that. Yeah. How do you get past those kind of self-made barriers? As in for being a woman in business? Being a woman or- in business, or if you're maybe, if you've got a complex that, I think perhaps that I don't want to go to networking events because I'm shy. I don't want to do it. Or I'm a woman. I don't want to go to a room full of men, that kind of thing. How do you get past your own self-made limitations? Yeah. Do you know what? I actually did a podcast on this recently and I spoke about it at Steve event last night and um, with another female that was there. I was like, "Those it's full of men. <laughs> and <laughs> most events are like, because most men are in business, but I think it's just, do you know what? I'm, I'm not going to lie. It has been hard. Like from, from day one in business, you always are faced with different things. And I probably have, have had different experiences to what you might have had um, because I am a woman. But it's not something that I usually speak about because I think women get things no matter what. You could be in a club walking through the club and you'll get a man that will say something to you. Um, but I think it's just a case of staying true to you and just going for it. Like obviously you're going to get mishaps along the way. You might get things where you feel uncomfortable, but it's just about, again, pushing yourself out your comfort zone and saying, right, there's no reason why I shouldn't be here. If there's loads of men in a room, that's because there's loads of men in that industry, but there's no reason why you as a female shouldn't be there as well. If you've got it in you, which you do, go for it. Yeah, it is. so it's, a, it's about taking your place at the table, having all of the table if you want it. Yeah, 100%. Never be like knocked by the thought that, oh my gosh, there's just men in this industry. Like, women can, we can do it. We can do it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, can we talk about like an average day in the life? Because when we speak, you know, to be fair, you're pretty quick at messaging back for someone who's so busy. But no day seems the same. But you're always doing 
a hundred things in a, in a day. So what is like the average day? How does, how do you segment your days? So it's like time block or winging it. So I do time block <laughs> and I also wing it. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm one of them people that kind of works 20 hours a day. And I'm not going to say that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I do find that I work most hours of the day. Not in my, I don't feel as though I'm working for something that I'm passionate about and I love what I do. But I do, um, I do a lot and I find that I get up in the morning and I am working from the moment I wake up. It's not for everyone, but... I do what I need to do to get things done in the day. <laughs> Simple as, yeah. Like, you know, I don't like having a to-do list or anything more than like five things. It stresses me out. So I'd rather do it, get it done, and sleep easy at night. Yeah. So, but then, do you ever do you ever give yourself? Do you ever ever allow yourself to have downtime? Like, what does social relaxation time look like? Um. Do you know what? Yes and no. Um. Yeah, I do have downtime, but I will sit here and say I'm guilty of feeling guilty if I have downtime. I think I, I do have times in me where I think, oh, do you know what? Like, I should really be doing this, so it'd be good if I start this because then I'll be ahead. Um, which is annoying. It's a downside, but I do try. Um, do you know what? My dad said to me the other day, I think you've got ADHD. It was like, he looked <laughs> at my computer and I had like 70 tabs open. Oh, I was working things at did once and he was like how did your brain cope and I'm just like flying <laughs> <laughs> you strike me as the kind of person that once you have an idea you need to execute it very in a, in a short space of time otherwise yeah. do you then lose interest in it or do you just not do it what, what's how's that, no, it's not that I lose interest I just I have ideas and I just I want to do it and if I, if I spot a gap in the market put my ideas in the ideas bank and then I'll try and like execute things, but I'll find people around me that are interested in the same thing. So the project that we're working on at the moment, I'll go out and find people that are interested, people that will get on board, and investors, business partners. I just like to always be thinking about that next step, but then I try and tie every business into my existing business as well. So I just try and branch it off into different directions. Amazing, okay, thank you. Now. Abby, Abby, you come across, you know, you said you mentor other agency owners. Now, I know as well, just because through Instagram and all the ads I get, that there are a lot of agencies. There's loads and loads and loads. Yes. So why are you so successful? Like, What's your superpower within that to make you be the one? Do you know what? Authenticity and also being, I've actually done it before. I think I said it earlier about most agency owners have never run a business before. And that's why I then created a course because there are so many agency owners that are creating agencies that have never run a business. They don't really know what they're doing. They're trying to figure it out along the way, which is fine. But I do think if you've had that credibility of running a business, you know you've got to be passionate about every step of that business, regardless of just the social media, the paid ads. So my course really covers all of that. It covers the mindset, mentality, the mindset and mentality of a business owner as well, just so that they can understand that it's not just social media that you need to work on. And even if you are, say if you get a client that is a social media client, you also need to go above and beyond and you need to help business owners in other aspects because there are so many, so many arms to a business, so many little things you need to tick. 100%, 100%. And then following on from that, how can someone you know, find their superpower? Not necessarily as an agency owner, but generally in business or in life. How do people find what they're good at? How can they find what they're good at? Do you know what? Again, just if someone's got an idea or thinks that they might be good at something or is unsure, 
give it a go. So all the staff I've ever hired, they've only ever come to me through work experience. I've hired one person from a CV. Everyone else has come to me and said, listen, I want work experience. And I've ended up hiring them either full-time, part-time or as freelancers. And I would just say to go and get work experience because especially if you're young, you've got all the time in the world to basically give things a go. If you mess up, if it's not for you, you can change, you can redirect. And sometimes the redirections in life are the greatest blessings. So just give it a go, get some experience and figure out what you enjoy. It makes complete sense. And through kind of, through my journey, right, I always feel that I'm pretty privileged in the sense that, and touch wood, I don't want to tempt fate, but like there's been no major life disasters, you know, both our parents are still here, thank God. Financially, we're okay. And even in the business, everything's always kind of on an upwards trend. So I feel like it's always going well. But from your perspective, have there been any major challenges that you've had to overcome? Oh, 100%. I think even looking at gym law, like when our stock wasn't here, mm. I remember, so I mentioned the £10,000 worth of stock with the seamless collection not died. Like the die was horrific. Then I had a £20,000 <laughs> thing of stock that came in and every single logo fell off. There's been all sorts of things where I've thought, right, so much money has been invested here. I was like 21. I have no idea what I was doing in terms of what to do at that point. And um, yeah, there's been some, there's been some issues. I've had family issues as well. What I don't do though is I don't really speak about my personal life. I just kind of move forward with things. And I've actually said to, we've been through quite a lot this year, I'm not gonna lie. And I said, next year I'm gonna come out and kind of share the journey of what I've personally been going through behind the scenes or what I have been through to show people that even when you're going through hard times, you can still come out on top or you can still grow from it and you can still get things done regardless of your situation. It's using certain, using certain negative situations to come out on top and push you further. Because I do find that when you're, there's oh, there's a saying, but I can't remember what it is, but it's where like, if you're in a really negative situation, you will get out of that situation quick. But if you're in a situation that isn't that bad, but it's not that bad. It's all right. You stay in it longer and it actually ends up being worse for you. Yeah. And that, that actually, again, strikes a chord. So because you can end up in basically a state of monotony where it's comfortable, yes. there's, there's no risk, but there's no bloody reward because you're just in that comfortable state. Yeah. And I think that's often worse than, than being in a risky position because you're not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. I always find it when, if I get a client that comes to me, for mentorship and they are literally they're so hungry they hate their job they hate their business they're the people that do the best whereas the people that come to me and they're like mm, i'm not really unsure i'm comfortable they're the people that don't always do as well because they're not in that desperate state of mind yeah no no i, I absolutely agree and with um and we are going back and forth on topics here with social media in general and i've sent you a few links you've sent me a few links what are your thoughts on all, all of these kind of new AI tools? Because some of them are actually really, 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 really amazing. I think they're amazing. I think they're going to make a lot of people a lot of money. I think, yes, they will take quite a lot of jobs. But if people get, get on it now and understand how to use it, I think there's a lot of money to be made when it comes to AI. I use AI a lot for a lot of things and have done ever since it came out. So I think you've got to make AI work for you, not you work for AI. And that, that is exactly the key thing. I think a lot of people forget a lot of this AI, especially chat GPT, it's only as good as the prompts that you're inputting into it. Definitely. And it's understanding the right prompts to ask it as well. I think if you mm -hmm. can ask a question and then really, really delve into what you're trying to figure out, you need to learn to ask the right questions. And there'll be so many jobs again there that most business owners won't know what to ask or they won't know how to figure something out. 
But if you're experienced in that, you've whilst it might have taken a job, it's also created a job at the same time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just to keep you accountable, by the way, because we've spoken about this privately. Uh, when's your When's your networking event going to happen? <laughs> oh, you're not going to do me like that. <laughs> you said, don't do it in the December. You said do it in November, didn't you? Do it in November, gonna... yeah. November. November. It's going to be a, a Shazagale event. It's going to be me and you because we're going to hold each other accountable. <laughs> wow, okay, fine. This is on, on tape, as it were. Yeah, fine, but no. The Shazagale event is in, in, in November. Fine, we hit it here first, folks. All of my three listeners, it's happening in November, all right? Um, so from the conversations you have with your, your mentees and people you speak to in general, you know, what do you see as like the common mistakes or the common things that hold people back? Um, people overthinking their content. Do you know okay. what? I spoke to someone the other day that said, do you know what, Abby? I post on my Instagram and then I archive. I archive the post because I think it looks awful. And honestly, I was like, what? I was like, if you scroll back on my Instagram, my posts were horrific. When I launched this. I look like, oh, we don't even want to go there. The color schemes, everything was all over the place because I kept changing my mind of how I wanted things to look. But it wasn't how things needed to look that was the, what I was trying to get across. At the end of the day, I was trying to provide value. I was trying to get my message across. So a lot of people overthink their content. They delete posts. They, they think like a creator as opposed to a CEO. And I think people need to realize that they are CEOs, not creators, unless you are a creator. So you need to post your content and just walk away. That is some smart tips there. I, I am guilty of archiving some of my old posts. Oh, but, but that's only because my old posts were all text posts. So I kind of archive them. I'll do a video redoing the text that was there. Yeah. Do you know what? A lot of people as well, they don't repurpose their content. So mm. my top tip is say if, you're, say if you're an online coach and you're panicking that you need to create a month's worth of content, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Always have your own editing style. But say if you've got three people that you aspire to be like, go and look at their top performing posts over the last like three months and then recreate similar content with your own twist and your own editing style. And that way you're not having to figure out what you want to post, just hover over their content, see what's got the most likes, stick it into content pillars and then recreate that content. Amazing. And just a thing on kind of archiving posts, I realised no, ain't nobody scrolling down three pages worth of, of a screen to see my old posts because no one cares that much. Yeah, no. And even if, say if you've got a piece of content that you posted three months ago, it performed really well. You can repost it because in a month's time or three months time, you're speaking to a new audience, you've got new followers, you've got new people to speak to, or use that piece of content and just repurpose it in a different way or repurpose it across multiple platforms. Yeah, definitely. Um, Abby, with my use of social media, I like to think, I think in the, in the property space, I'm definitely putting out content that's useful for people. But then I'm also using socials to learn from other industries like you, and I follow you now and pick up yeah. tips and things. Um, is there, I, I guess the question is, the balance between giving up free value and free content versus then saying, look, let's take this conversation offline, let's have a paid conversation, or here's my course, here's, where's that balance? Because some people do take the, the, the mick, if I'm honest. They do take the mick. What I would say is when never be afraid to give too much value online. Um, the people that give the most value are the people that make the most money, I'm going to say. Because people will always buy into someone that gives the most value because if you're paid, no, if, what is it with the saying? If your free shit is better than your paid shit, yes. everyone will buy it. That's the one. I think that was Alex Hermosi, wasn't it? Um, yes. That is like, 
I, I live by that. So never be afraid of giving out too much when it comes to like your feed and things. I personally, if I get questions, say if someone leaves a question on one of my posts, I don't respond back to that comment with the answer. I then recreate a piece of content for everyone about that topic that someone has asked for, because that way you're then reaching loads of people. You're still giving that value, but you're not just giving that individualized value. Don't get me wrong. I can voice note people for hours with value. I'll always try I know, help. I know. <laughs> <laughs> as you know, but I think there's a line when you feel as though, okay, this could move on to a coaching service. Never be afraid to pitch that service because if you if someone's already buying into you and asking you questions, they already believe in you. And if you can provide them enough value, then go for it. Amazing. Thank you. Um, now, I find this this question when asked that it's different with different industries. I always find it, and it's interesting to ask what you, like within your industry, for example, is there a culture of people collaborating with each other and actually sharing audiences, sharing content, sharing value together, or not? Not enough. I think there should be. I, I wish there was, um, but I don't think there is enough. There is quite a few like events that a lot of like say social media marketers will go to. Um, there, no, there is a lot of events, but I don't see a lot of it online. And I wish. Do you know what I'm saying I wish tomorrow I'll have made it happen. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, you, you know, you could be the change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be the change. I think I do think we need to all come together more because I think if two social media marketers or two social media agencies come together and really shout about their strategies and what's working and they shout about that online, that can make such a big difference. Yeah, and I'm a big, big, big advocate of collaborating, whether it's people who don't do the same thing as you, but are within that industry. So for example, I'm, I'm, I do mortgages, but I could collaborate with an accountant or a solicitor because they're all part of the same journey. But I actually enjoy collaborating with other mortgage brokers because we can share so much together. And then it's not about, oh my God, you're going to steal my clients. Because end of the day, the way I look at it is, we could deliver the same piece of content, but even just because of the delivery, half the audience goes one way, half goes the other way. Yeah, definitely. I do. So I personally collaborate with lots of like web designers and we'll, um, we'll pass work off to each other and things like that, but it isn't something like we really publicize on social media. So I do think that's something that we should definitely do. Okay. Amazing. And look, social media, I mean, people always say, what are the hacks, what are the tips, what are the tricks? And you've, you've said a lot already, uh, this is a really valuable kind of podcast about authenticity, just getting on and doing it. But for someone yeah. who, say, wants to grow, let's say you've got someone who, who definitely has value to add. So they know what they're doing. They're not just hot air. They want to yeah. grow on socials. You spoke about the pillars, content pillars as well. How can someone fast track their growth without without buying followers and all that kind of nonsense? One, don't buy, don't buy followers to stay out of engagement groups. I, oh um, my God, engagement groups. I was offered one before. They were like, Shaz, we, we, is this a group together? I was like, is this a pod? They're like, yeah, yeah, it's a pod. <laughs> stay out of it. No, it's not. At the end of the day, why do you want an engagement group? Like, they, They're not going to support you. They're there for one reason only. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no fast track method. There isn't, if, if there was a fast track, we'd all be doing it. But one fast track method, if we're going to come up with one, is to one, be consistent to understand who you're talking to remember that not so when it comes to like your ideal client not everyone is going to be your ideal client so you can have a target audience target niche but remember that not everyone will be your ideal client so figure out who your ideal client is break it down into pillars with your educational aspirational and inspirational content and then work towards that so create content within them pillars and just start start posting content like that but make sure it's like analyze as you go so say if you post a piece of content and it flops 
give it time. Don't just post it once and then think that, okay, it's not worked. Be consistent with it. Create reels, mix your content up with reels, carousels, because I think last year it was Instagram just only pushed reels and tried to like compete with TikTok. Whereas now they're really trying to push carousels. Mm -hmm. So the way I like to break it down is that when you're putting a reel out there, think about, imagine that you're speaking to a new audience every single time. So if you're trying to grow your audience, post a reel, speak to the camera as much as you can and just speak to that new audience and introduce them to who you are. And then with your carousel, try and provide as much value as you can. So rather than trying to speak to a new audience, use your carousels to really nurture your existing audience or the audience that you're growing. So I would just say, be consistent with your content, provide as much value as you can, analyze and adapt as you go, because what your strategy is now might be a complete different strategy next month and just stay in touch with the analytics. But if things aren't working, it's usually because there's something wrong with your offer. So make sure that your offer matches what people are actually interested in because followers don't always equivalent to sales. And at the yeah. end of the day, you can have 10,000 followers and no sales and someone with 200 followers might have loads of sales. So really, really speak to the person that you're trying to target. Uh, amazing. And just two questions off the back of that. So again, small to medium business owners, you know, people starting off, how much time do you think they should devote to social media? Because some people don't devote enough, but what, what do you think? I think it depends on the industry that you're in. I really think mm -hmm. it depends. It's finding the right platform that works for you. Say if you're an e-commerce brand, you might say that TikTok is the best platform for you. And so I would say to, you know, I would dedicate a lot of time. If I was in the e-commerce industry, like with Gym Law, and I was running that all completely by myself, I would really put a lot of time into socials because there are so many competitors and social media is the best way to grow organically. So you'll find a lot of businesses that will spend loads of money on paid ads when in reality they could create content organically. It'll take them less time, run it, they can see what goes viral and then run that viral content as a paid ad and also save so much money in the process. Yeah, you make, you, make it, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> it's <laughs> Social media is hard, but I see so many people that try and fast track their growth by running paid ads because they think that's what's going to bring them in the sales. But it just ends up costing a lot of money, a lot of time, and you just it, it brings nothing because you're trying to, you're, you're in the testing process. And while you're testing, you're not figuring anything out because, and then people go, paid ads don't work. And they're not <laughs> because you've not had the budget for it and the right content. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. And the other thing I just want to add on off the back of what you said is, uh, again, thinking about it from the audience's point of view, people who are looking or listening or watching your content is you'll kind of get what you ask for. So what I mean by that is, let's if I use myself as an example, as a mortgage broker, if for the next three weeks for a month, I post all I post about was people with bad credit and how I can help them, I'll get people with bad yeah. credit who need mortgages. But if I suddenly started posting about high net worth clients who want a million pound plus loans, that's all I'll get. So you kind of get what you, you, you put out, I suppose. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. So for example, if you were, let's use a mortgage broker, for example, which you are. <laughs> Say if you were <laughs> shouting about everything. Say you were shouting about every single service that you offered or you had one person. Say it's two mortgage brokers, you and someone else. You're shouting about absolutely everything. But there's another mortgage broker that is shouting about one thing. If someone has to choose between, say they've got £3,000 to invest and they have to choose between one you or the other person, they're probably going to go with the other person because it's easier to interpret and they might they might need to make a quick decision. And if their feed is more digestible than yours is, then they're going to go with that person. So again, that all comes down to like your offer as well. Yeah, definitely. I think there's definitely value in, in niching and being very intentional with your content. 
But the funny yeah. thing is, my feed on my Where's Shaz account is a bit messy, but the one on the business account is very focused. And I think that's, that is a bit intentional, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think I, I'm the same. Like, I, I am exactly the same. Sometimes I post with no intention. I think, what am I doing? Like, I'd, I'd shout at everyone and I know what works. But when it becomes to your, when it's your personal feed, I do think that can happen because at the end of the day, that's your personal brand. And that's not always a negative thing because that is you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm not no. saying you're person but <laughs> <laughs> so i get you i feel you're right so as we're gonna just wind this this podcast down because we both have things to do i need to get to the gym to be totally honest with you before it gets busy <laughs> you'll be proud <laughs> um right so first of all if people want to get in touch with you we'll share your links and so on but what do you need help with mm, what do i need help with um i need a pa is this a job is this a job <laughs> Your PA needs a PA by the sounds of it. <laughs> what do I need help with? Um, a lot. <laughs> no, I need help with getting a mortgage, Chas. I know a few people. I'll definitely hand you their links. Um, okay, so you help. I mean, but is there anything maybe that, you know, the thing is, look, from what I see on the outside, your days are busy, but you get a lot done. I'm trying to think, what could you need help with? Even, even doesn't time management right yeah you know you know what it is my f- time management my feed at the moment i don't know what i've clicked on <laughs> okay nothing dodgy it's full of these ads for this app called in motion and all it is okay. i know the script of the ad like literally word for word now all it is the guy says what in motion does it in between if i've got three meetings in a day it picks up things from my to-do list and puts it in between my meetings and i get so much done but it sounds like absolute trash because that's what a calendar is for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you my discount code, right? <laughs> no, it's not good. Do you know what? I think I need that. I do. I think when it comes to like what I actually need help with, it is I'm going to say time management and bit. I've got a good focus, but I wish that I could just kind of like focus on one thing and get that done. I do find I work on multiple things, but I always get okay. it done at the same time. Like no one's ever waiting for anything. But mm. time management. But also, maybe taking time for me as well. I could take more time there. That's a very common answer, and I, I can see why. Do you, do you have a coach yourself and a mentor that you work with for your business? I don't, and that's something I need. I really want one. I've got a few people in mind, and um, I can think of, but that's that's in the pipeline for this year. Okay, amazing. And if people are going to reach out to you, what can you help people with? Should be obvious from this podcast. If it isn't, we've had a really bad chat. (laughs) No, social media and personal branding. A lot of people come to me for personal branding because it's, I personally think it's one of the easiest things, but it's also the most hardest things at the same time because it all comes down to confidence and mindset as well. So whether you're a business, um, an online creator, a coach, (laughs) I don't think where I am, um, I can obviously help people turn their followers into paying clients. Okay, and do you want to just give us the links, please? What is your handles online? So my Instagram is Abigail Sang Clark. Everyone can never spell it. It's T-S-A-N-G. Um, and then my businesses are Aventus Agency and Aventus Mentorship. And then, yes, Gym Law as well is Gym Law Women. Amazing. Now, Abigail, we haven't spoken about your bloody podcast. You've got a podcast. I do. <laughs> so... People start podcasts for many reasons, you know, one, just to get content, to have good conversations. What was your reason for starting a podcast? Exactly that. Do you know what? I, I wanted to network with 
amazing people. I was seeing all like, I was scrolling through TikTok and I was seeing all these amazing businesses and these businesses that had blown up during lockdown or just blown up using TikTok in general. And I've been shouting to my clients that didn't want to go onto TikTok, they didn't want to utilize the platform. I've been shouting at them saying, you need to get on TikTok. And loads of them wouldn't listen to me. So I said, right, I'm going to go and interview the best, the most successful people on TikTok. And then I'm going to show you that you need to do it. So first episode was with Trigwell Cosmetics. Zoe is phenomenal. She's built a million pound business just from TikTok. And surprise, surprisingly, three of my clients are now on TikTok and they love it. <laughs> yeah, okay. And people often say to me, like, because with this podcast, like, Shaz, does it get you many clients? And I'm like, one, that's the wrong question to ask. And two, it doesn't. But what it helps with is the overall uh, branding and, and kind of awareness and so on. Yeah, um, it's just being able to meet people as well. Like I've done it to network. I've done it to obviously help my clients as well, provide as much value as I can and to generally just meet amazing people. I think that is the best thing I've ever done. Being able to sit there for an hour, speaking to someone that has a different perspective to you or is very similar to you. You make such good friends. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much value in these conversations. Like for example, this session we've had nearly an hour, you know, yeah. if it was a consultation call, it might have been something people would pay for, for example. So there's value you get from people as well. 100%, 100%. Okay. And what what is the future for you uh, and new era? Like what's your, I mean, do you work in five-year plans or 10-year plans? What what does that look like? Um, I don't. And this is what I'm going to try and do. My dad always says to me, he's like, what's your five-year plan? But now I've built like my business plan for the next five to 10 years. Like I know what I want to achieve. I know what I want to work on. And it's not something I can fully disclose yet because I need to still build it all out. But in the next five years, my aim is to obviously build a property portfolio and expanded the businesses, helped as many people as I can. And I also want to speak in like schools and things. I want to really teach like young people that if they're not good at school, you don't necessarily need to be good at school. And I want to be able to retire my parents. That's like a big aim. Very, very good. No, very noble stuff as well. In terms of speaking, um, Public speaking, are you, are you on board with that or not? I haven't done it yet. It's something I want to get into. Do you have any uh, mental blocks or do you think it'd be fine? Um, I think, don't get me wrong, I will get so nervous. Like, I will get extremely nervous. And I do have bad anxiety. I just I just fight it. Like, I get, um, I get really anxious in certain situations, but I just yeah. ignore it. So I'll have sweaty hands, I'm not going to lie, but... Give it a go. I'll get I'll get a sweaty top lip. It's that's not great on camera. <laughs> you know what you need? You need a Trigwell powder puff. That's a shout out for it because it's the best thing ever. I'll send her a message now. Like I say, she's been on my podcast and she's only local, so I'll, I'll pay her a visit and say, uh, <laughs> Abby, Abby sent me. <laughs> okay, so look, I mean, Abby, just as we're kind of wrapping up now, are there any final words, any words of wisdom for any young entrepreneurs or business owners listening to the podcast right now? Yeah, so do you know what? I'm going to say young entrepreneurs, but this is for anyone. This could be anyone that's even got like a business idea or is in a job that they don't really like. They've got an idea that they want to execute, but they might have kids and they're worried about taking risks. I would say just, I'm going to say just go for it. I know it's not always as easy as that, but nothing good in life comes easy. If things are hard, that means that you're doing something right. And also remember that on your journey, it's not always going to be good. You're going to have ups and you're going to have downs in the same way that you'll have ups and downs in any job role or in anything that you're doing in life. Never be put off by that. And also remember that when you're scrolling through social media and you see someone that looks so successful, remember that they're only sharing with you five to 10 hours of their week. They're not sharing with you the ups, the downs. They're, they're sharing with you what you want, what they want you to say. It's not necessarily what 
they actually are going through. And so yeah, just go for it, be true to you, be authentic and pursue your dreams because at the end of the day, you're the only person to rely on. You're the only person that can get you to where you wanna be and you will do it if you put your mind to it. I love that. I left a little pause at the end there just for, for the reactions, but guys, <laughs> Just remember, there's a Beyonce and there's a J-Lo in all of us, okay? That's all I'm saying. So, um, and my DMs are always open for anyone that wants to run or has an idea. Just give me a message. Yeah, she, Abby loves a voice note. Send her a voice note. Um, yeah, send me a voice. <laughs> everyone, thank you for listening. And Abby, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. So what did you think of that? Please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, of course. And also connect with me on socials at Where's Shaz. Until next time, be humble, be grateful, be peaceful.